All right. Gernot, how are you doing? Hello. Good to see you. Good to see you too. I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us in the Skybound RC podcast. It's so great to have you here. Yes, it's great to be here. We, we talked about it quite a time ago, and now we finally do it. Maybe to get started, um, why don't you give a quick intro about yourself, about how you got started in the hobby? Yes, so I'm 32 years old now. Uh, I started flying at the age of six. Uh, I came into the hobby because my parents were flying. So I grew up like a, when I was a small baby, I was always with them on the airfield. And my, my father was always building model airplane as his main job. So I really grew up with this hobby. Uh, as I said, in with six years, I started to fly by myself. And in the year 2000, so 23 years ago, I flew my first uh, aqua glider competition. And in 2001, I started with IMAG, with the big planes. So I'm, I'm in this uh, competition scene for a very, very long time till now. But I still have a lot of fun doing it. And I really enjoy every competition and practicing for it. So it's a great hobby. I imagine that when your parents were flying RC, RC couldn't be very popular, right? Like I don't think technology was uh, the, the you know uh, the way it is today. Uh, what type of planes uh, do you remember starting flying when you were a kid? Uh, yes, it's true. It was very different. There was no flight simulators at this time, or no no form airplanes. I started with a wooden glider with elevator and rudder only. Uh, but I was not so talented at the beginning. And then my father built an uh, electric glider for me with ailerons, elevator, rudder, and swaddle. And with this, I started to learn flying quite good uh, in the teacher-student mode, uh, connected with a cable at this time. And that's how I, I began. Um, I know you, I guess the first time I heard about you probably was back in 2009, 2010. Uh, I think you came to Spain for a few competitions and we flew together. Um, but I think not only you are a great pilot that has been competing in many different categories uh, with, with a lot of success, but you also, um, basically RC is your full-time job these days, right? Um, you, you build planes for people, you, you have different models that you've design yourself can you can you talk about that side of of the hobby for you um uh yes of course uh, as i said before my my father is doing this job building model airplanes so mostly aerobatic gliders and towing airplanes since i think 35 years and uh, after school i started to work together with him i had some different projects by myself we have a few projects together and uh, nowadays we we uh, build and work together on all the customer planes and I produce mostly aerobatic gliders and towing airplanes for customers as they like them. So from a basic kit up to ready to fly, everything is available from us. Um, so right now you basically have um, a bunch of different planes that you design and fabricate, right? Uh, and I think that you also sometimes might make um, other manufacturer planes that you assemble and set up for, for customers, right? Yes, exactly. The, 
that's what I do. I, I also design my own FWA planes. I designed a few planes together with Quill in the past for iMac, for example, the Yak 55, the Express 330 SC. We had some very good projects together. And I, I always like to work as well with other companies, designing planes and bringing them to competitions. It's, it's always very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think one, one thing that I think is really cool when I see you at events is that not only do you fly any airplane well, obviously like you have like great pilot skills, but also you usually come with uh, pretty unique airplanes, pretty unique models. Um, I think I've seen you flying anything from giant um, like gliders, uh, giant like clip wing caps. Like uh, uh, you have like a, a beautiful like BD five, right? And that's that's your own design, right? Yes, um, you always have something that is like pretty pretty unique, uh, and usually on the larger side of things. They're usually not small planes. Yes, exactly. It's, uh, for me, it's not always fly, uh, only flying competitions. Um, just model airplanes is my big passion. I I like all kind of planes. So as you mentioned, uh, I always have some little bit crazier projects from time to time, like my big. Uh, ETA glider with 15 and a half meter wingspan or my very big Swift in the 66% size or the BD-5 is something special. I have the Kipling Cup from Bill Hempel. I had the Focadia 1 triplane with the 800cc engine. At the moment, I start to work on something new, special, which I will announce by end of this year. So there's, there's always something very nice uh, what I'm working on, and I really enjoy it to show it and and fly it. It's not only competition; it's also the passion of flying. Yeah, I'm sure that helps keeping things fun, right? Not not so serious. Not always like looking at at training and and what the next competition is. Exactly. Yeah, that's for me. That's very important to to try and do everything, and not only focus on on one competition or on one class. I, I try to to different different stuff and different categories to try something new, not always the same. I think I recently saw you with, a, I believe it's Sukhoi. Uh, it's a big Sukhoi, red and white, with a radial engine. Yeah. Uh, it looks kind of scale, uh, but it looks like you were having a lot of fun with it, doing some robotics, some, even some 3D. Uh, that, that looked really cool. I don't think you often see that type of plane with that type of engine uh doing a bunch of like nice 3d 3d robotics yeah that's that's true it's a, a sukhoi su31 it's made in czech republic by radim Horky. it's it's actually really scale from all the dimensions so it's not modified it has 3.6 meter wingspan and with a valach 250 radial five cylinder engine it's a really fun airplane. It's of course it's not for uh, for precision or competition flying. It's just to show something different and having fun with with other kind of plane and showing uh, some easy 3D with with a plane like this. It's so completely different than the 120 cc freestyle planes nowadays. So it's like kind of slow old school freestyle. <laughs> Looks really cool. It's a, it seems like it's a great demo plane. Looks like it's a great plane just to fly for fun for yourself, right? Yes, exactly. That, that it is. Um, we we're talking before about how how you basically 
do this as your full-time job. How hard is to to do this as your job? Like how um I, I mind that sounds really fun for people looking at it from the outside. Uh, I wonder how the the economics work. Like do you do you ever feel stressed out if like some month uh you get like less orders or like you know the, the RC industry unfortunately is not something super huge, right? There's not millions and millions of people uh, buying airplanes every day. Um, do you ever feel um, a bit of like pressure or, or, or concern if some months are slower than others or over there in Europe, you have enough people flying uh, that you don't have uh, much trouble like getting, getting customers? Uh, we are very happy with the customer situation uh, for our planes. We have a really lot of orders. We are only two persons, so we cannot produce 100 planes a year. So we don't need so many orders, but we, we have a long waiting list. Actually, we have about one and a half to two years waiting time. So we still have very good orders. And wow. so it's, it's very good for us. And we are very, very, very happy about all the customers who trust in us. And it's, it's definitely a, a very nice job. I really like what I do. It's not always fun, but I think every job is not always fun. But all in all, I'm, I'm very happy with the situation, uh, doing what I like the most, and I'm flexible with with, with time. So I try to to work more in winter time, so I have more time in summer for flying, which is actually quite nice. And so I try to to make the best out of it. That's really cool. Really happy for you. That sounds awesome. Uh, it's it's nice hearing that the business like that is doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not only able to survive, but it's actually like thriving and and, and it's really successful. You have a you have a long waiting list there. Yes. <laughs> this year you've been pretty busy from Ecuador. I think I think most years you're pretty busy. Uh, this year I know you've been pretty busy. Uh, you've been in so many events, so many competitions that it's hard to keep track of all of them. Uh, but I, I've taken note of a couple of them that I thought we could chat a little bit about. Uh, so probably a big one, I'm guessing for you this year was the, the F3A world championships in, in Australia, right? Yes, definitely. In summertime, this was my main focus event competition. It was a special trip going to Australia. It was my first time. And I really tried to focus all the year to uh, practice as good as possible for this event. Uh, at the end, I was not 100% happy with the with the final result, but all pilots were flying so good, and we could see very very good flights. And the the distances between each pilot was so small, so everything could happen. And at the end, fourth place is still very good for a world championship, I think. And I will, I will try again in two years in the USA for the next time. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, for people that might not be very familiar with, with the F3A World Championships, this is probably one of the hardest competitions in fixed-wing RC airplanes that you can go to. Um, I know that there's a ton of people coming in there. I think I think uh, each country brings really, really good pilots. I think just, just even... Just even making it to the World Championships, uh, it's really, really tough. Uh, and then getting anywhere close to the top 10 is very difficult. So I believe you got fourth place. And I think you were extremely close to, to podium, right? You were extremely close to, uh, I think it was Jason Solman who got third. 
Yes, exactly. I was during the competition. I was always on third place, and in the last round, I dropped on three to four. And at the end, I think it was three points different between me and Jason Schumann out of three thousand. So it was it was very very close. So it was in this moment a little bit disappointing, of course. But at the end, uh, I, I was super happy with my flying and what I could show at the World Championship and. This just motivates me uh, even more to to work harder for the next time. And you've been uh, how, how long have you been flying F three? Because I I always knew you mainly from iMac, so that has like the the precision components, obviously, with the known routines, the unknowns, and then the freestyle. So I guess the the iMac known routine is probably the closest to F three A that you had flown before. When when did you start flying F three A? It's actually quite a long time ago. Uh, my first competition was in, I think, in 2008 or something like this. But in this time, I was mainly focusing on iMac. And from 2013 on, uh, I switched to have my main focus on FQA and just doing a little bit iMac, like the, the shootout, which I always really enjoy to do. So it was my, my first FQA World Championship was 2015. Then it was 2017, 19, and uh, 23 now. So it was my fourth time at the FBA World Championship. How, how do you find uh, switching back and forth between the precision parts of iMac and F3A? Like I usually see, I usually see most pilots do one or the other one. There's very few pilots that do F3A and iMac, even though there is obviously a lot of similarities. Uh, do you find them pretty pretty different? Do you think that you need a lot of adjustment time if you want to go back and forth? The the basic things are very similar, in my opinion. Uh, the position, the radiuses, and the lines, rows, it's, it's all very similar. Only the planes changes, of course, <laughs> quite a lot. But uh, I always flew or flies very different planes, so it's for me not that big problem to switch from one plane to another. But of course, to if there is a main competition like the World Championship F2A or uh, the Tucson Shootout, I always uh, try to have about one month before that I only focus on one class. So I can really uh, get used to the one plane for 100%. Because as you said, uh, there are only a few pilots who do both. Uh, if you go for the U.S., it's Andrew Jesky or Jason Schumann who who do both on very high level, and that's not so many guys do it, but I, I really enjoy it, and it's always a a, a good fun. Um, let's talk about your plane, the plane you use for the for that uh, World Championship, because I think I think you've been always flying, or, or at least recently, you've been flying F3A with your own designs, right? Uh, exactly, I. My first own design in FBA was in 2011, together with a friend. And uh, most of the time, uh, I switched planes every second year. So this Bavanora, which I flew this year, was a new designed biplane. It's based on the monoplane version, which I was flying uh, last year at the FBA European Championship. And uh, I really liked how it performs. It's a little bit different. It's Quite a big biplane compared to many others on the market. I uh, will do some modifications for next time, and there uh, will be also a kit available uh, next year 
for this plane. So I always try to give the possibility for other pilots to to use also my plane uh, in competition and for fun. Um, is that uh, uh, like an all fiver plane? Is there any Valsa? What what's the what 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 type of construction is that plane? Uh, the fuselage canopy, rudder, landing gear, and so on is uh, composite, and uh, wings and elevator is made with form and sheeted with balsa and then covered with overcover. That's that's how this one is made. Um, can you talk a bit about the process that you use for, I don't know, from, from conception, how do you go about the design, uh, fabrication, do you do everything in-house, do you work with some other company to, to get some of this stuff uh, done for you? to do mostly by ourselves. Uh, we have some someone in Slovenia close to us who is producing the, the fuselage for us. And we do then the cutting of the wings, sheeting, and then all the, the work which has to be done until it's ready to fly. So most of the work is done in our workshop and by myself. And so I always can, can adjust some things if, if I think something could be better this way. And I'm doing the testing by myself, all the setup and everything is, is done by myself. For the design itself, uh, do you do a lot of iterations? Do you do a lot of like back and forth? Or do, usually are you able to just make a design, get it built, and that's, that's the end, uh, that's the end uh, form of that plane? Uh, no, I always at the beginning, I'm building the prototype just in, in, in white. So I can modify, for example, elevator position, wing position, and so on. I try to to change incidents and so on. But during the, the years, I got some more experience. And so it, it, it works quite good from this uh, beginning of the first time. So this, this is quite nice. But there are always some small changes to do. You, you, each pilot always tries to make the best plane with almost no compromise. So you can, you can focus just on flying and not on the plane. How does it compare to the, uh, I guess the Pavana is the is the monoplane it serves uh, exactly. the fuselage with, right? Like how, how does it compare the, the biplane with the monoplane version in terms of flying characteristics? Uh, the fuselage is exactly the same. It's no no difference. Just two wings instead of one. Uh, for my style of flying, I, I like to fly slower and not so big. So the biplane helps me, especially in all the night pitch maneuvers, which are very common in the final sequence and unknown maneuvers. So as we could see at this World Championship, uh, biplane is definitely the way to go. I think uh, eight out of 10 finalists flew with biplanes. So that's really the, the, the best option for this kind of competition for sure. What uh, equipment are you using in, in, in this plane? Uh, I fly my Chetty transmitter, the VC24. I have an Edwaron comfort drive system with Falcon propellers. I have all around high-tech servos, uh, Thunder Power batteries. I fly 10 as 5,000 milliamps, so to stay below the 5 kilo limit. And that's my, my main setup for this FBA plane. Most pilots like fully focus on F3A. They don't switch back and forth between iMac and F3A. 
you not only do also some iMac stuff, but on top of it, I think I saw you uh, winning an aerobatic glider competition just a few weeks before flying to Australia. Is that is that correct? Yes, exactly. Uh, it's actually my category which I fly since the beginning. I grew up with aerobatic glider competition. My first competition was an aerobatic glider competition, and I always try to fly two, three competitions per year. It's really, I really enjoy it. It's it's completely different than flying with aerobatic planes because you have no swaddle. You have some special height and known and unknown maneuvers to fly. So you have to go with the energy of the plane and that's that's always very nice and very interesting. And as you said, I could, I could win the German championship uh, end of July. So few weeks before I flew to Australia and I really enjoy these competitions and I always try to to do a few in a year. Can you talk about how those type of, of competitions work? Is it is it like the same concept as an F3A or an IMAC competition where you have a set routine of uh, maneuvers and you are judged on precision, positioning, that type of stuff? Or how, how does it work? Uh, it's very similar to all F3A or IMAC competitions, we fly in two different classes. It's, we have advanced and unlimited. The difference is that the sequences are different and the, the altitude where we start is different. So the advanced class have an altitude to start from uh, 450 meters and unlimited has 550 meters. Unlimited has more altitude because they have more maneuvers and more complex maneuvers. We fly a non-sequence, which it lasts for two years, and then we fly in each competition uh, two unknowns and one kind of freestyle uh, round, which is with music and smoke, and every pilot can fly what he wants. So it's like freestyle uh, to music with smoke. And it's each maneuver is judged, uh, with some criteria, they are very similar to uh, FQA or IMAC. So position is very important. Placing is very important. Uh, so it's it's very interesting to do it, especially if it's very windy and or we we have difficult unknowns. We have to figure out to have uh, en enough height for each maneuver, so you can do all maneuvers in in the one flight. Uh, do you feel that um, the aerobatic experience on propeller planes translates pretty well to the gliders and the other way around? Yes, yes, definitely. I think I have a little bit of uh, advantage that I fly a lot of uh, F2A or IMAC. This helps me really a lot in the glider aerobatics as well, definitely. The other big competition, so you go to, was the Extreme Flight Championship, the European version of the Extreme Flight Championships in Czech Republic, right? Uh, this was exactly one week after FBA World Championship in Australia. So <laughs> I really had no practice at all. This was just for fun to see some some old friends again and just to really just to have fun. I had I had five practice flights before the competition, so I was really not prepared at all so i had no expectations and it also didn't go so well but this doesn't matter i had other other main focuses this this season 
F2 World Championship was very important for me. And beginning of the year in March, the FQP Indoor World Championship in Lithuania. This was also my my main focus for this season. Yeah, yeah, no, you've, you've definitely been been pretty busy. I did see some nice flying in the Extreme Flight Championships, though. Um, what 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 plane did you use there for the propeller category? Uh, I was flying with the with an Extreme Flight MXS with a DA150 because they had the rule that the plane has a minimum wingspan of 2.8 meter and minimum of 150 cc. So there was not so many options for me. I had no bigger freestyle plane ready at this time and this MXS fits quite good. And so it, it works well for me. Yeah, that was an interesting rule that I saw kind of last minute coming. Um, it's, it's kind of unusual now that, um, I think I think in the past couple of years, freestyle uh, competitions with giant scale planes have been very focused on the 120 cc size plane, right? I think more they, they've gotten much more aggressive, much more dynamic, much faster pace than it used to be, uh, and I think those type of planes seem to fit that style of flying pretty well. Um, yeah, yeah. How, what are your thoughts about uh, you know how? how freestyle has been progressing like you you were doing a uh, high level competition in freestyle 10 15 years ago uh, so you've you've seen uh in person the the progression of, of freestyle um how do you feel about how things are are moving and progressing yes i'm i'm in the freestyle category very very long i think my first winning big competition was in uh, 2007 uh, european extreme flight championship at this time, we were flying with the three-meter katana from Grill. Flying style was completely different than nowadays. We did not have so fast rolls. It was not so aggressive. But in my opinion, it was more to the music with a little bit more emotions, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It's, nowadays, it's much more complex. The maneuvers are way more difficult. But that's because the planes change, the servers change, the, the planes has more power than we had before. So really completely different nowadays and very impressive what, what all the young guys can fly and can do with, with the planes. Really, really nice to watch. Definitely been changing quite a bit. I, I do remember many years ago, one of the first changes I saw actually was uh, you uh Ankrill model Krill model coming up with um some of their airplanes with significantly bigger ailerons. I think uh with, with Krill models, one of the typical issues I had was that they were relatively sluggish, relatively slow roll rates. Uh, and I remember seeing you flying some I believe it was maybe an extra uh with like significantly bigger ailerons and significantly faster roll rates. I think that's one of the first things I saw in Europe uh, in terms of moving these freestyle planes to, towards faster. This this was definitely one of my ideas with Krill together. Uh, first time we had these bigger ailerons was in 2009 with the Yak-55. Uh, before the Yak had the standard elastic flap ailerons with normal size, and then we made a new wing with really huge <laughs> aileron, uh, center hinged aileron, and the roll speed 
in 2009 with this plane was really different, but it, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And also the extra dam had big ailerons and the world speed with this three meter planes was really good in my opinion for this time. Because nowadays with the smaller planes, we only see 120 cc planes in freestyle anymore. Especially in the US, I think only 120 cc planes are popular and they are, of course, more aggressive than the smaller ones. Ah, the bigger ones, sorry. Uh, and then in the Extreme Flight Championships, you also participated in the in the Jets category, right? I, I think I saw you flying with uh, Luca Bauman uh, with the RS XL. Yes, exactly. That's what we did. We had only one flight together before the competition. And then I had some technical issues in the third round with my turbine and we couldn't go on flying but it was really a fun experience and i definitely want to do it again it, it was fun especially with the ares with the big turbine with the vector thrust many nice maneuvers were possible and also i think that the jet single freestyle competition would be very interesting to do this would be something new in my opinion and we will see what the future will bring. I usually don't see you flying jets that often. Is the RSXL your first experience with thrust vector yet? Uh, I had a Futura from Tomahawk before with a vector thrust as well, but the vector thrust was, was different. The turbine was not so big and the vector thrust was not so aggressive. And so the, the RSXL is now my first real 3D chat, I would say. Also, the big ailerons are, are really nice, and so the roll speed is very high, and the big vector thrust, it's very aggressive to fly. Really a lot of fun to do. Yeah, I've been very impressed with that uh, plane. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to fly it myself, but when I've seen uh, people using it, uh, I don't think I've seen any jet that comes close to that. Like um, Even other jets that are thrust vector capable like the Mephisto or the Futura uh, they don't seem to be as capable as that plane I think that plane um, like the, the the type of like things you can do like the uh, you can pretty much do rolling harriers even which is like pretty pretty unusual on a jet uh, it looks it looks really fun uh, I'm I'm surprised there's no more models out there following the same um the same formula, um, especially now that I think Krill model is not producing many of them. So it's kind of kind of hard to find. Um, this, this is true. I think it's the the best 3D freestyle plane on the market at the moment, with uh, which is most aggressive to fly because, like Mephisto or Fortuna, they can do very good Harrier or top roll or flat spin, but all kind of Harrier rolls or rolling loops and so on. The RS is really great and performs really awesome. And as you said, Trill is not producing at the moment. They, they are working on different planes at the, uh, right now, but they will, they will come back next year. And I, I hope that there will be more RS, uh, on the market. Have you thought of making some kind of like aerobatic jet? Uh, of your own design? Uh, I thought about it, but I don't think that I will do it because time is already a problem with all my projects and 
competitions and and shows. So for for chat category, I, I will I will stay with the RS in between plane, and I do my my other planes by myself. That's enough work to do. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the, the other big competition I think you you had this year was the uh, F3P World Championships, right? Like the the Precision Aerobatics uh, Indoor, um, exactly, yeah. where, where you actually, I believe you not only won, but you have been winning that for a while now, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, this was the fifth World Championship in F3P. Uh, the first one was in 2013. Then we had 15, 17, 19. And 23, so we had we lost 21 because of the Corona time. And as you said, it's uh, my first World Championship title in FVP was in 2013, and from this time on, I could win every every World Championship. So I'm in FVP position. I'm right now the only World Championship which exists, which is actually quite nice. Uh, can you talk a bit about uh, what F3P is for those people? I, I don't think that F3P is very common here in the US either. Uh, I think in Europe, um, those those hard winters make make this a bit more appealing for, for people over there. So uh, F3P is actually F3A flying inside a gym or a hall. Uh, special planes are made for it. They are made out of carbon watts covered with a very thin foil, uh, super light, uh, popular weight is between 45 and 55 grams, ready to fly. Wingspan is about 90 centimeters and length is about one meter. We fly coaxial systems with 18 to 20 inch props. And we have a known sequence of the fly. We have a preliminary sequence and then a final sequence. We fly four preliminary rounds at the World Championship, and then the finalists fly three final rounds. And at the end, we have a World Champion in FPP, FPP precision. There is also, since uh, last World Championship and this World Championship, uh, a musical World Champion title. So this was now for the second time. Uh, I completed there as well. 2019, I finished second behind Donatos Balsolis from Lithuania. And this year, uh, I could finish second as well <laughs> after Donatas. So we had the same result as four years ago. And we will see what's, what will go on in two years at the next World Championship in Switzerland. Yeah, I, I remember 10, 12 years ago when I started seeing... F3P and indoor aerobatics. Uh, I, I did play a little bit with some indoor planes back in Spain. Um, and I remember back then, um, the F3P sequences were fairly fast. Uh, I think that the planes were relatively simple foam planes uh, with small electric motors. Um, but they would... I think the typical thing is that you would make something as simple as a loop or a square loop and the downline, the plane would be descending so quickly that you would have to like recover into horizontal lines very, very quickly. Uh, nowadays, that has changed drastically. I think that the planes have gotten so, so light uh, and the, the, the flight 
uh, is actually surprisingly slow, right? Like the, the downlines are, uh, they take much longer for the plane to go from the top of the, of the gymnasium to, to, to the floor. Um, and they are much more precise. They're much more calm. Exactly. I'm, I fly F3P since 2007. And the, the change in the planes was, is really crazy how, how they changed in the last 15 years. The size is about the same, but the plane uh, over there 2007 was about 180 grams. And now this, the same size plane, maybe even a little bit bigger has now around uh, 50 grams. So it's big change in the weight. Even also the, the engine has a big change. Now, uh, back then we flew a normal outrunner with a nine inch prop. Now we have a coaxial system with two props, 18 to 20 inch. So that the brake on the downline from the engine is very good. Then the very low weight of the plane. So a slow, constant flight is now really possible and it's in my opinion it's really amazing to watch how slow and precise these planes can fly nowadays it's really really impressive in my opinion uh, there are videos online from the world championship which you you can see how constant these planes can fly yeah no it, it's really crazy um uh, it it would be really interesting for somebody to go look at one of those like 2007 2008 f3p videos of, of some top pilot uh, and, and then watch a video from 2023, and it, it, it's a world of a difference. Like the technology yeah. has changed drastically. Uh, flying skills have also improved, obviously, but I of think the, the yeah the technology behind the planes it's totally different. It's really completely different. It's a different class now. The the maneuvers get more and more complex because the planes are slow, so you can do more inside the maneuvers. So it's really completely changed. Uh, but that's very interesting in this class. It's always there is always some change and uh, improvement in the technique and the planes, and this makes it very interesting. Um, do you feel like the the airframes, the the electronics, the motors are more or less at a at a pretty stable state? Do you feel like most people are more or less using the same equipment nowadays, or are people still uh, bringing? some kind of like radical new ideas when you come to, to a new competition? I think it's it's quite stable now. For example, I flew the uh, this world championship, the, my FVP plane from the last world championship. So it was now four years old. The only thing that changed was the engine setup because uh, there is a the, the, uh, 2019, we had 18 inch props. And now we change to 20 inch props, so bigger props, lower RPM, which makes it even better for constant flying. So that, that was the only change I made on my plane. So you, you can see that nowadays it's not necessary to have a new plane each year. It's, it's a little bit more stable than it was in the, in the past years where the improvements were each year very high. So you always had to change and improve your plane, but, but it's a little bit more stable now. Um, we've talked about all these different uh, categories where you compete. Uh, so you have iMac, freestyle, you do some jet flying, uh, some gliders, um, F3A, F3P. Is there anything else that we haven't covered 
Um, do you do any scale or anything like that? Uh, no, so that's that's actually all I do for competitions. But I, I think it's it's enough. It, it's it's a good amount, yeah. <laughs> I I don't think I know many people um, that even have a plane on each of those categories uh, that they, that they fly often. Um, when you are juggling so many different type of uh, flying, so many different type of competitions, do you ever struggle figuring out? What to do? Like, you know, what what should I fly today? Should I go train some F3As? Should I um should I like the test the new Sukhoi? Like did, did you ever have uh have trouble figuring out what to do or or I think the, the calendar makes things uh pretty pretty clear for you to decide? Yes, the the calendar helps for sure. But sometimes there's not, not enough time to to test or work on my fun airplanes. Like the Sukhoi, for example, it took quite a long time to finish it and set it up because there was just not enough time. But mainly in winter time, I do FVP because we have quite a lot of snow and very cold temperatures. So flying outside is not possible for me. FVP season goes from December to middle of March and then I switch to FVA or IMAC for the summer season. So it's, it's, mostly based on the calendar what i do so you've been you've been involved in the artsy world basically all your life uh what is um as a kid going with your parents learning to fly uh competing building building planes for for customers um going all over the world in in competitions and, and big events um do you ever feel burnout do you ever feel uh like you don't you don't you don't have the desire or the energy to go to go flying or to, to build this new plane um how, how do you how do you keep motivated because when i see you you always seem really excited about about going flying about like making this new plane how, how did you keep yourself um yeah so excited about about this um spending so much time on it i'm very lucky that uh after so many years i still have the motivation and the, the passion to do it i don't know how it comes maybe because I do so many different styles of planes and flying, so it's always something new and exciting. That's maybe one reason, but I don't know what the future will bring. Uh, I'm sure it will change because of maybe not so much time anymore. So I have to focus more on, on one competition class and not doing so much difference. There's obviously, I don't know at the moment. Everything works very fine, and I'm I'm happy what I do. I still have my passion and motivation, and I hope it it will go on like this for the next years, and then we will see what's going on. When you go to events to do demo flights or to go to a competition, uh, I think you have some advantage in comparison to other people in terms of the amount of experience that you bring. Uh, that that obviously helps in terms of flying skills and mindset but at the same time i can imagine that sometimes uh you could feel additional pressure because you know people expect great things uh of you um when you go fly do you ever feel anything like that do you do you um do you ever feel like oh i need to do really well because people people are looking at me people uh know me i won this competition so this time i should if not win like get pretty close or or is that something that you've already um yeah, with, with your experience, you don't really think too much about. Uh, there is definitely pressure uh, if I go somewhere on a competition to 
to have a good result, of course, because as you said, uh, the other people are expecting the good result from me because I, I was lucky that in the last, I don't know, 15 years, I always could show good results on different competitions. So if, if I go somewhere, the people expect that I will be good again. So this definitely makes some pressure on me and I, I try to handle it as good as possible. But it's not always <laughs> possible to, to make the best performance. I think that's in, in every sport the same. It's not possible to show 100% each time, but uh, I always try my best on each event or competition. And if it, if it works good, I'm, I'm super happy. If it doesn't work so good, I don't listen on the comments of other people, but I'm still unhappy about myself if it didn't work as I want. But the, that's the way in life how it is. And next time I, I try again and I, I push more and try to make it better again. So that's how it is. When uh, you are not busy with some kind of project on a timeline, like you're you're building a plane for somebody uh, and you need to help set it up or you're training for some competition, if you're just, if you are able to just go to the field just for fun, what uh, what's your plan of choice? What do you bring just for fun? That's always different because... <laughs> I have so many planes in my in my hangar. I'm a little bit uh, collecting different kind of planes. I I have a few jets. I have some nice gas planes. I have really nice gliders. So if I really have time to go for a weekend just to, to have fun, I very often pick a, a special glider or bring one of my jets, like my BD-5. I have a big DC-21 or the Ares or whatever just to to have some fun and and enjoy this great hobby. Do you have any any plans already made up for uh, next year for 2024 in terms of events, competitions, travel? Um, not sure, 100. Uh, percent But there is the FPA European Championship next July. There will be another uh, Tucson shootout in October, which I really want to go again. I will try to to make it again. Always very uh, difficult trip for sure but uh, i will try to do it again it's always great to come back to the desert i will do some glider uh, competitions for sure some fda competitions but haven't planned exactly what all i i will and can do cool well um i think that basically covers pretty much um everything i, I had planned to ask you i don't know if there is anything else that you want to talk about um I think it, you you really covered many many points from my flying career. Uh, definitely, what's what's from my side, which is always great that I, I had very good support of of my family, friends, my wife. I had always some very good partners, different model airplane companies companies on my side. They which supported me on planes, products, and events, and I'm really very thankful for, for all their help. I think this this made my career a lot easier than it could be. Yeah, I was going to actually ask about your wife. I think I've seen some pictures where she actually is doing some flying herself. Yes, that's true. My my wife, Bettina, 
uh, flies too. Uh, when we uh, met each other many years ago, she had no ideas about uh, model airplanes, but she got interested and we started to fly with a form uh, glider with electric engine. And nowadays she also can fly the, the big planes. She has a uh, big Planik, a robotic glider. She has a big, big Kajungmeister and she really performs and flies very, very good. And I'm, I'm proud of her, what she can already do. That's awesome. That, uh, I'm sure that makes things much more fun. If you, if you can go to some events with her, uh, and she's not only there, yes, kind of keeping you company, but actually enjoying seeing planes. Uh, if she enjoys the hobby, I think that, that helps a lot. Yeah, definitely. And she also, uh, called for me at the shootout, uh, last year and 2019. And this worked very good as well. She, she did a very good job. And it's not very common that, that your wife is, is your caller. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's awesome. It's a really good setup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think, uh, we can probably stop it here. Thank you so much, Gerard. I think that was, uh, super fun. Thank you too. Yeah. I hope, uh, hope we can, we can meet in person again, maybe, maybe next year for the shootout. That'd be nice. Yeah, definitely. So it was, it was fun to talk to you and thanks for the interview and keep in touch. See ya. Yeah, see you. Goodbye.